This is another interview brought to you by TheBatmanUniverse.net. Uh, this is Stephen Hill, game director on Batman Arkham Asylum. Hi, this is Lee Bermeo. I am Brandon Vietti, director of Under the Red Hood. Hi, this is Gail Simone. Hi, this is James Tucker. Hi, I'm Dan Jurgen. Hi, this is Bruce Tim. This is Michael Jelinek from The Brave and the Bold. Hi, this is Andrea Romano. Hi, my name's Dan DeDio. Hi, my name's Claiborne Moore with the C.S. Moore Studio. Hi, this is Jim Lee. This is Kevin Conroy. Hey, it's Sean DiMaggio. Hello, everyone. I'm Batman, and you're listening to my podcast. Hey everyone, this is Dustin, and in this segment of the Batman Universe interviews, we are going to bring you all of the interviews from San Diego Comic-Con 2009. Now, some of these you may have already seen on YouTube or on the website, but some of these, including this very first interview, will be the first time you've ever heard it. This first interview is an interview with Chris, a representative from Hot Wheels, obviously part of the Mattel brand, and he talks with Apple about a number of the Batman products that are coming out. So let's take a listen. Hey everyone, this is Apple from the Batman Universe and we're here with Chris from Mattel. Chris, can you tell us about your upcoming line and what you have at San Diego Comic Con this year? Sure, well, Mattel's got a huge booth. I'll tell you specifically about what we have for Hot Wheels. Uh, we're really showcasing our new Batman line of product, which we came out a year and a half ago with. And we're just now really catching up in terms of the amount of vehicles that we have in the assortment. So we're, we're making a real collectible and, and going right after the Bat fans out there. So leading off, we got our what we call our 150th scale Batmobile. So it's 150th the size of the real Batmobile. Uh, we launched with the, the ever popular 1966 Batmobile. Uh, that has gone through some incarnations. We uh, put a, a hitch on the back of the Batmobile and came out with the Bat Boat. Uh, later this year, we're going to take that same car, and uh, if you remember the TV series where the Penguin stole the Batmobile and put a Penguin logo on the side and his umbrella was hanging out, um, as well as a sunshade for him. So that will be coming out later this fall. Um, we, uh, we have the animated series Batmobile. we got the comic book Batmobile. Uh, Batman Forever Batmobile, uh, Batman and Robin, and I know not everyone's jumping up and down about Batman and Robin in the collector world. I know that, but we're Hot Wheels, and they were just good-looking vehicles. So we got a motorcycle and the Batmobile for uh, Batman and Robin. Uh, we've got the Super Friends Batmobile. It's it's the blue one. That was kind of cool. So uh, that one's I think going to be a sleeper because just because it's so different. Uh, and it's blue. Everything else is black or gray. Um, the 1989 movie Batmobile. Um, you're going to see some battle damage versions as we go throughout the year. Uh, the Bat Pod, of course, is probably one of the best looking vehicles that we have. And, and uh, we've celebrated that here at Comic-Con uh, with bringing the Bat Pod, the, the actual motorcycle that was used in the movie, sitting right in front of us right now. Truly been a hit at Comic-Con. And our exclusive will be the uh, Dark Knight uh, two-pack where we recreate the scene under the bridge where the Batmobile tumbler crashes and burns and the Bat Pod uh, then is revealed um, 
coming out from the tumblers. So so we have that two-pack. That's our exclusive here at Comic-Con. Now, one of your exclusives that you're going to be bringing out is a 1989. You're going to have two versions. Can you tell fans about that one? Sure. We, so we have our 150th scale, and then we also have our 118th scale. So the 118th scale, we really put all the detail into uh, with, with uh, canopies that move. And uh, later this fall, we're coming out with the 1989 movie Batmobile and what we call the elite level. So this is where we're going to put photo etch detail on the vehicle, 118 scale. We did the same, and I hope some of you have seen the uh, the 118th Batmobiles, the 1966 version, where we came out with uh, three different levels, what we call a mass level, which uh, you can get at Toys R Us for 35 bucks, um, the elite level, which is about $80 retail, and then the super elite, which came on a, a metal plinth with the bat insignia um, in a what we call a jeweled box, and that was a $250 item. So we're following that same path with that 1989 movie Batmobile uh, later this year. Right. I think all fans of the show already know I own all three of those, and I love the Super Editions, and I always tell them that they're worth it. The 89 Batmobile, I see collectors going crazy after that. But could you tell us uh, maybe some other Batman products that are coming out from you from uh, later this year? Sure. Well, you said you loved all the 1966, uh, all three versions. So we're going to have a, a 143rd scale version of that 1966 Batmobile at the elite level coming out. So that's really a worldwide scale. So a lot of our partners outside the United States had to have 143rd, so that that's coming out later this year. Uh, we do have approval from Warner Brothers on a Chrome. 1966 Batmobile. That's 2010. So we're working on that, and that one's going to be extremely special. Oh, can I have? A, can I give you my special address to go ahead and deliver that one? At? <laughs> I th- I think we can hook you up, and that that one may actually hit uh, end of this year. It's right on the bubble of do we get it out before Christmas or not? But a but a Chrome Batmobile, and that one's going to really celebrate the 75th anniversary of uh, DC Comics, which is in 2010. So we're really excited to. Uh, to partner up with Warner Brothers on that one. Now, uh, most of the stuff you're looking to shoot out for even this year, right? Most of the products that you have mentioned? Correct. Everything I've mentioned uh, is 2009, with the exception of that Chrome one, which is on the bubble. Right. And it's always going to have you that uh, the Hot Wheels look to it and always the high-end uh, high end uh, product that y'all have, right? Sure. I mean, with the Batmobiles, we, we replicate for the most part. So we take the information we get from Warner Brothers and, and we replicate the car. The, the fun story uh, that most people don't know about is the 1966 Batmobile. Uh, the show car that George Barris built, it's got a Ford 302 motor in it, mm-hmm. and uh, so when our designers went over there to build the Elite version, and we opened up the hood, and we said, uh-oh, <laughs> that ain't too cool. It's, it's just a Ford 302, you know, it's, yeah. you know, we, we're Hot Wheels, we can't, we can't just put Ford 302s in. So uh, Warner Brothers allowed us to uh, build the jet engine, because in the TV series, the hood was never opened, and so they were they allowed us to do it because no one had ever seen inside the hood before. So uh, Larry Wood, who uh, we call Mr. Hot Wheels, he's been our head designer for 40 years, uh, he built a jet engine. He designed a jet engine, which is now in the 1966 Batmobile. See, and that part's really cool. That's what's cool about y'all guys. Y'all going to the detail and getting the fans enthusiastic about your uh, your product. So that's awesome, Chris. Well, you know, we're glad that you were able to speak to us, and welcome to the show, and we hope to see you on future shows. Yeah, Apple, I look forward to talking again. All right, but you take care. All right, with Thursday night over, we go into Friday. And Friday morning, the Batman Brave and the Bold panel was held, and immediately following, we had a chance to interview a number of the casting crew members 
related on the project. So the first one we have is the voice director for not only Batman Brave and the Bold, but a number of Batman-related projects, Andrea Romano. Hi, this is Apple from the Batman Universe podcast, and I'm here with Andrea Romano. As you all know, the famous casting director for Everything and Everything Batman. Andrea, how are you doing today? Great, thank you very much. Now, you know, there's been a positive response to Batman and Brave and the Bold, and actually for hardcore fans like me that come from like the darker, grittier side of Batman, I think you won us over for Batman Brave and the Bold. So yeah, that's that's actually great. Are you getting a lot of uh, reaction for that? Fortunately, it's all mostly positive reaction, and and you're right because the first Batman series that I worked on which was Batman the animated series was so very dark and then you know we've done various different incarnations since then Batman Beyond and the Batman I did a few seasons of and uh, and now Brave and the Bold and I'm very encouraged by the fact that the fans seem to be following along with the fact that we can't just keep repeating ourselves we have to find some other way to come at this character and do something that's interesting and and still stimulating and um, and and even within the series Batman Brave and the Bold there are different episodes one more serious, one more comic, one musical, uh, and and maybe even within a single episode, there'll be some that are silly and then serious, and then you find yourself like really sympathetic and like tears coming out of your eyes and watching a cartoon, but it's really touching. So I I, I love working on Batman. I'm a huge yeah. fan myself. Yeah, you know, a lot of fans like well, like me, we all, we were concerned about the campiness how it's going to be. Right. We love Adam West, but we still want our darker, grittier Batman. And for me, for being a fan, I hate Batman. I hated him. And all of a sudden, fans are like, Apple, you have to watch this episode. You have to watch this episode. I finally watched it, and I wrote back on the forums. I had to come back and say, I love this show. I <laughs> we won you over. Yeah, you, you won me over, and there was like a little bit of episodes. You know, I felt like Bruce Tim on that little man. <laughs> I feel like that. But you, you let some you let um, some news leak today that was very exciting here at Comic Con. Julie Newmar paying homage to the heritage of Batman. How how was that having her in studio? Yeah, well, it's wonderful. We had an event about I don't know four or five months ago where in uh, Los Angeles at the Warner Brothers Studios on one whole side of one of the sound stages they had painted an enormous mural of lots of the classic Warner Brothers characters, including the Batman series. You know, a lot of the different Batman series, Teen Titans. And, and there was a big sort of social publicity gathering, and Julie Newmar was there. And so, of course, I went up and introduced myself and just said, how lovely to meet you, and aren't you wonderful? And she said, oh, I want to do voices. I was like, so, okay, twist my arm, I'll, I'll find something for you to do. So we brought her in on an episode within weeks and had her come in, and she couldn't have been more lovely. And um, as a matter of fact, she, when she was coming to us to record, she uh, got lost on the studio lot and couldn't find us. And so I saw her coming all the way across the lot in her car, and I ran up to the car and I found her. And she stopped the car and opened the door and took my hand and kissed my hand because she was so glad to have found somebody who knew where she was supposed to be. So Julie Newmar kissed my hand. Oh. <laughs> it was the coolest moment. I would have been excited too. <laughs> well, you know, from, from all the fans, the Batman fans, I know we can't thank you enough for the job that you do. I think you have done a wonderful job in your wonderful career. And we look forward to everything and everything we do. You're very well loved in our community. Thank you so, so much. So we want to express that to you so Thanks. much. Thank you. I appreciate it. Keep watching. There's lots more to come. I'm not done yet. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much. After talking with Andrea Romano, we had a chance to talk with one of the producers on the show, James Tucker. 
Hi, this is Apple from the Batman Universe Podcast, and we are here with James Tucker from the Batman Brave in the Boat. So, and guys, he is a Batman fan, a hardcore like us. So, James, what can you tell us? We, we, we got to see, like, some of the, uh, the some of the stuff from today, uh, you know, a new episode that's coming yeah, out. Uh-huh. We were worried about the musical. We were like, yeah, oh, no, where are they going with this yeah, one? Yeah, yeah, but, you know what, for hardcore fans, I think we're going to love it. I, I enjoyed it as I sat there. So, and you won hardcore fans over. Oh, yeah. You know, we were expecting the campy side. Right, yeah, yeah. How can you describe what, what your work has been done on Batman Brave and the Bold, right. and how do you, you how do you manage to win us over? Um, when I went into this, I, I was born watching Batman on TV with Adam West. My first Batman comic was Batman Brave and the Bold, so I knew uh, that Batman was a had a wealth of history that you could draw on and still think what Batman was cool. Not everybody came to Batman when he was, you know, dark and brooding and on the, you know, sitting next to gargoyles. You know, there's another kind of Batman you can do that's still just as entertaining and true to the character. Um, with this show, I just want to show Batman in all his different facets. Uh, we have dark episodes, we have humorous episodes. The only rule we have is don't make fun of Batman. Don't make light of his situation. He can comment on other people's situation, but he's kind of like, he's like your uncle. He's the guy you know. Yeah, he went through some rough times. He was in Nam, but he's still really cool, and he can punch your lights out if you get out of line. You know, he's, he's a cool guy, and that's all we, need, we wanted to do was maintain that, not make fun of him, and um, bring in all the wealth of DC characters to see how he bounces off of them. I mean, he's like, I mean, I, I think, you know, Superman's like the Boy Scout of the DC Universe, not in a bad way, but he's the everyman, whereas Batman's like the grounding force. He's what makes DC real. So anytime you bring a character from the DC Universe, and it can be like wild, like metal men, I mean, a strange out there concept, but the minute they're with Batman, suddenly they become cool, they become real. Um, so that, that's, that was the idea going in, and I love DC Comics. Batman's my all-time favorite hero. I wouldn't be standing here if I didn't love Batman. So I was never going to let you guys down. So, yeah. Well, you know, I think the the greatest thing I think Batman fans have found uh, great about the show is that you're using characters that have really not seen the light of day on as far as the Batman the animated series was. But they were there in history, and we always go after those comics. We go after those characters that we haven't seen since the '50s or '40s. And you guys are bringing that, and I think as Batman fans, that's what we love. We know those characters by heart exactly. not everyone else does right. you know and I think that's what y'all doing a great job and, and, and how do you feel about bringing those characters to the forefront well I love it I mean my first comic book besides Brave and the Bold was back in the 70s I'm dating myself but back in the 70s they made <laughs> these, Neil Adams Neil Adams Neil Adams but they had these books called Batman 100 page spectaculars and it was a new Batman story so it was Batman set in the 70s but then all the backup stories were reprints from the 30s 40s 50s 60s and so in one book you're getting the whole history of Batman every month and so those are my first really they they exposed me to all the different types of ways Batman's been interpreted and to me and being you know reading them as a kid they all became one continuum in my head so I don't don't make a distinction between Batman in 1939 versus Batman in 1960 it's the same guy to me and even when I'm watching Adam West I mean I know a lot of people hate Adam West but if you look at it from a standpoint he's literally doing a 1950s Silver Age story 
literally. Like, even the way he delivers his dialogue with his exclamation points. And, I mean, that show gets a lot of flack from comic book fans. But if you know the history, if you know that they, too, were referencing comic book stories, you really, there's a lot there to enjoy. So I just wanted to take the idea of, when I was a kid watching that show, I did not catch that they were making fun of Batman. I didn't catch all the humor. To me, it was as real as anything else. It was as real as the news, and I, I took it that way. So when I was doing this show, I said, I want to do it from the viewpoint of how I felt when I was a kid watching that show and reading comic books at that time and watching Super Friends and the filmation stuff. I mean, I, there's a whole bunch of Batman out there, and there's lots of ways to interpret it. So that's the way I... When I go into this, that's what I was doing. So yeah, and I think the newer generations of Batman fans are are slowly gripping that because they grew up now with the the darker Batman, where we had grown up with that you know the Super yeah. Friends, the Adam West kind of type character. So we were familiar with that. Yes, we like the grid, but sure. we also know that this there's this other parallel Batman that goes right yeah. along with that. There's a lot. I mean, he's a human guy. There's and the, the great thing about DC in general, their characters is you can interpret them in a lot of different ways. You can make a darker version of Batman. You can make a darker, elongated man, for Christ's sakes. <laughs> you know, I mean, it, it's like they're, they're, they're malleable characters. And um, they can be either high fan fantasy or they can be really gritty, realistically done. And I'm just taking advantage of that. I love DC. DC well, James, do, do, the, do the fans of, for Batman sure. all a favor. Keep doing what you're doing. We love it. We love the characters that you're bringing out because we feel it's about time yeah, that someone gets to really see our world that we live in. Again, this outside from the Joker, the Riddler, right. yeah, the yeah, Penguin, yeah. you know, yeah, we want to see characters like yeah. C. Fox and them come out. Okay, so, yeah. yeah, so thank you, James. Thanks for coming on the show. And always be glad to have you. And hopefully you come on on a future show. Oh, definitely, definitely. Thank you. Just call me up. All right, and after James Tucker, we had a chance to talk with the other producer for Batman Brave and Bold, Michael Jelinek. Hi, this is Apple from the Batman Universe podcast, and we're here with Mike. And Mike, I don't want to pronounce your last name because it's a real little tricky. So every time on the podcast, when we have a difficult name, we always say, uh, how do you pronounce your last name? Uh, I go, it's Jelinek. So. <laughs> Jelinek. Everybody pronounces it different, so I'm used to it. Okay. Well, um, as people may know, that you're the writer behind Batman Brave and the Bold. So a lot of the episodes that we are enjoying currently, you're responsible for. Well, I am the story editor, so basically that what I do is sort of supervise other writers. And, and work with them to, you know, to, to craft uh, the episode. So there's a lot of great writers uh, who, are, who are actually writing the episodes. Right, and you just visualize, direct their, yeah, their approach we, we, to the yeah, episodes. Exactly. Right, so um, being on Batman Brave and the Bold, how would you describe your experience so far? It's been the most fun I think uh, I've had working. Uh, everything about the show goes well. I mean, the actors are great. We have a great production uh, designers and art directors, and uh, the writers I work with are, are all great. I mean, it's it's literally been the easiest thing I've I've ever done. Um, and it, part of it's just it's it's we're trying to have fun. You know, if the show's not fun, then. Uh, you know we're doing something wrong but uh, so we're not trying to cure cancer we're just trying to you know do something silly or fun yeah yeah and even for the the batman the hardcore batman fans like myself we were like a little bit weary in the beginning about Brian the boat where is this going with and we mentioned it many times on past podcasts even a year ago's podcast we were always wondering like how's this going to go but i mean you guys have managed to bring over some hardcore fans i mean how how's the response been from hardcore fans like myself yeah you know i think a lot of the concern was like the first image that was really 
released was Batman in like a purple or pink background, and they, they thought it was just going to be a campy, campy thing. But the fact of the matter is, everybody's working on the show are huge fans of Batman, and so we're, we're not like, you know, coming in and, and we want to destroy the character. We just want to do something. You know, our attitudes were okay. This is how Batman sort of, uh, you know, was in the 50s and 60s, and how do we update that? And, and make it relevant to because we wanted to be relevant to hardcore fans and we wanted to be relevant to a new generation and we, we just quite frankly didn't want to repeat ourselves and do more serious dark Batman because that had been done for the last you know 20 years so this 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 tone of the show gave us an opportunity and it's coming from Batman fans so I think that's why it worked out yeah I, I think really fans are really loving it even like my little nieces and nephews now they understand my passion of going out there and trying to collect the figures now we're going out there collecting the Batman Brave and the bow figures for them and they can't miss an episode so we all sit down and watch and that's great too the great work that you guys are doing so we really appreciate it and I mean lots of luck we hope for you know second season when it comes along we can see you know other characters that haven't seen the line like like Sea Fox and you know characters like that from the 50s and 40s because that's what y'all known for y'all bringing the unknown yeah. characters up forward so and I think that's a great approach that y'all guys are doing yeah, you know, that's uh, our goal is because, you know, one of the things is everybody's seen the Justice League character, Hawkman, Green Lantern, Wonder Woman, uh, those characters, and we, we, everyone's so familiar and the stories that were being told with them were so familiar, we said, let's, let's not use them at all. Let's put in characters you know, we, we haven't seen it. And those older characters, one of the reasons we don't see them as much is because they're so absurd, you know. And, and, you know, when you're doing a serious Batman, you don't want to do the absurd characters. But when we're doing a little lighter show, it's like, okay, those, those characters, the reason that they're so sort of absurd and weren't being used is what makes them so fun on our show, I think. You know, they're, you know, they're, they're silly. And, okay, it's like the Ten-Eyed Man, you know. He's one of the worst villains ever in the Batman history, but if you put him on our show, then suddenly he's like cool again. <laughs> and see, see, Bat fans, that's what we like. We like to have that enthusiasm that we do have as behind the people behind the show. So Mike, thanks a lot for coming on the show and hope to see you on future episodes. Thank you very much. All right, thank and finally, to wrap up our Brave and the Bold coverage, who else could we finish it off with but none other than Batman himself, Diedrich Bader. Hi, this is Apple from the Batman Universe podcast, and we are here with Batman himself, Diedrich Bader. Diedrich, how are you doing today? I'm really well. Thank you so much for tuning in and, and doing everything Batman. <laughs> yeah. Now, we want to get to the hardcore questions. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Now, how are you enjoying doing the voice for Batman? Uh, it's the, my favorite part that I've ever played. Really? And uh, Yeah. And uh, um, I had an interesting transition about, uh, I mean, only I would only say this to real fans, but uh, about, uh, about a month ago we were recording an episode. And there's a, it's a, basically an episode where we combined two comic books of Batman, and there's going to be some closure for his character. And uh, um, I, uh, I've been playing him so long, this is a true story, I started weeping as I was recording it. Because I've played him so long, I really felt it. It meant so much to him. And uh, it was a beautiful thing to be a part of closure for him. Oh, my God, I'm getting a little teary then, just talking about it. Now, in the preview, as we sat in there watching it, we saw Julie Newmars. Yeah. Where we were just like, <gasps> and the hardcore fans I know all out there didn't, weren't able to see it, but we're going to relate it to them. Oh, yeah. We were just like, oh. <gasps> Julie Newmar, you know, and we absolutely love Julie Newmar. How was it to with, to work with her, and, and, and just to even have her in the studio with you? Well, you know, uh, when I was a kid, um, uh, watching her, she's my favorite Catwoman. I'm sorry to yeah. differentiate, yeah, 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 yeah. she's, she's my favorite. Too. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, um, and one of those times where uh, I think I was like 
seven when I started really watching the show. And, uh, um, uh, you know, it was uh, <clears throat> one of those things where I realized, oh, I'm straight. Because <laughs> before that, I had questions. But after that, I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> you just got to see a picture and you're all right. <laughs> I need to do more of that. Uh, so, yeah, you know, she's still beautiful. And it was really great recording with her. And that particular episode, has anybody else told you about the other casting? No, we haven't heard about any of the other casting. Can you let Batman's in on a secret? I can't. But let me just say this. It's going to blow your mind who we got other than Julie to be on the show. Oh, wow. It's so... You guys are going to go ape shit. <laughs> well, we heard you have the biggest, like, Batman nerd on the show, which is James. And, yeah. and James, he... I mean, he's an awesome guy. We can talk comics all day oh, long no, with he's him. the real thing. Yeah. He's the so, real thing. Yeah, so being immersed into this world... Yeah. Were you a comic collector beforehand? Um, I was a comic collector when I was a kid, um, but, uh, you know, not so much as an adult, but now my uh, son is so into comic books. You know, he goes to Golden Apple in Los Angeles all the time, and, and uh, he's so into it that uh, I've gotten back into it, because I read comic books every night now to him. That's what we read in bed. We promote reading, so. Yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's a good thing. Yeah. yeah. So you even played the, the, the closure episode that's going on with, yeah. uh, with Batman and the, yeah. uh, that's coming in the second season. Yeah. Another episode you may, you know release in the second season that you're excited about? Well, I have to tell you, uh, you're, you probably talked about the musical episode that we've watched here. Um, I, I, I'm, I was blown away by that episode today because I had not seen that uh, before this time. And I think it's really great and any real fan is going to really love it. Right. And so that's, that's one thing I'm really excited about. But this closure episode... I'm telling you, it's good. I, I think he's going to look good. It looked good from the reading. Yeah. Well, guys, that's it from uh, San Diego Comic Con with DJ Bader, and we'll hope to see you on another podcast. Keep watching. Thank Alrighty. you. All right, so with the Batman Brave and the Bold coverage uh, coming to a close, that doesn't mean the coverage of the con was coming to a close. Next up, we headed down to the Warner Brothers booth for a not only a walkthrough of Batman Arkham Asylum, but also an interview with game director Sefton Hill. Okay, Sefton, so for the, the hardcore Batman fans that want to go ahead and pick up this game on the first day, what kind of added incentives can you give them for that first day release? Well, I think the main thing is that it is, it's our kind of love letter to Batman and who he is. You know, it's our uh, celebration of all that is Batman. So, you know, on the team we have so many diehard Batman fans and those guys have been working all hours to really deliver the game that Batman fans deserve. So throughout the game, there are lots of things. There are cameo appearances from lots of different characters and lots of clues as well. So if you're a Batman fan, when Riddler hits you with riddles about particular ways in which other villains have been in the asylum, he'll give you riddles that you you have to figure out and if you're a fan you're definitely going to have a one up because you're going to be able to figure out all oh, right i bet he's talking about that character i know what he does and so it kind of really lead you know it's sort of for fans you're always going to be thinking ahead you know you're going to be one step ahead of the game which is something that we really felt for people who are in the universe and really you know have dedicated themselves to the universe they're really going to get that extra level of enjoyment out of the game I mean, if, you, if you're not, you know, obviously there's still ways to find those secrets and you can get more hints and tips, but the fans, I think, are going to be just one step ahead, which is always going to give you that additional satisfaction for being dedicated to Batman. Right, and Sefton, thank you for all you've done for us today right here for at the WB right here at San Diego Comic-Con, and thanks for making this game. I think Batman fans have been long awaiting this game. Cool, thanks. I hope you guys enjoy it. All right, so after playing a little bit of Batman Arkham Asylum, we were able to head over to meet up with 
a WB representative so we could get some press time with the cast and crew on Superman, Batman, Public Enemies. So first up, we have an interview with the writer of the film, Stan Berkowitz. Hi, this is Apple from the BatmanUniverse.net, and we are here with Stan Berkowitz. Stan, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. How are you? Oh, pretty good, pretty good. So go ahead and tell the listeners of the Batman Universe uh, your involvement with Superman and Batman, and uh, talk about all the glory about the animation film. Well, we, uh, I, I was the adapter of Public Enemies, Superman, Batman, Public Enemies. Uh, the, uh, the comics came out in, in five separate issues probably about four or five years ago, I think. And uh, last year, uh, the, the executives over at uh, Warner's in D.C. decided to adapt it into a feature. And so they, they asked me if I'd do it, and I was happy to do it. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah, now the, the story is great. Of course, Batman fans picked it up, loved it. Of course, you know, with Lex being his role within the film. How, how did you feel about adapting that from the comic book into the animation? I was just delighted to do it. I mean, there, there, there's sort of a political undertone to it, which is a lot of fun because this was uh, adapted during an election year. So it was right, right during the campaign, during the, uh, the economic collapse. And, you know, the idea was to make it credible that a guy like Lex Luthor could ever become president. And, that, and then the, the other thing I liked about it was that because Superman becomes a fugitive, this is a chance for Superman to be a part of Batman's world. Yeah, <laughs> which is in the comic book. Uh, you remember there's a scene in a graveyard where uh, they, they blow out the bottom of a grave and they wind up in a sewer and they go to the Batcave. That, that's an odd area for Superman to be in, but it's, it's Batman's real home. Right. Right. Now, in the book, there was uh, a little prelude to Infinity Crisis. Is that within the animation, or can you comment on that? There is no prelude. We wanted to make sure that this uh, DVD would stand alone. Okay. So it's just a story based on Superman and the Batman between that. Th this story is uh, Luther's president, the meteor's coming, Superman is accused of doing something uh, very criminal. We changed, we changed th that element a little bit from the comic book. And uh, Superman becomes a, a wanted fugitive and Batman helps him. Oh, and that's great. And I mean, I know Batman fans, of course, you know, the Superman fans, whenever we could get together together for animation, that's like added plus for you. Exactly, exactly. And who do you find that you like to work with more, Superman or Batman? It's a, t it's a tough question. Batman it tends to be easier to write for because he's a human being and he has the same limits that, that humans have. Superman, it's tougher to think of. Um, of obstacles for him and challenges because he's so strong and so smart. Right. Um, but it was really fun working with both of them together because they make such a great contrast. One of them has sort of a sunny, optimistic outlook, the other's more pessimistic. It's um, you know an oil, an oil and vinegar kind of mixture. <laughs> and it's been a lot of fun to write for those two. And it's, and it's especially a lot of fun because of the two actors who are playing them as well as Clancy, uh, Clancy Brown as Lex Luthor. Right. Well, um, do you have any future projects that you can talk about, anything that you're involved with that, uh, for Batman DC fans out there? Uh, the only thing I have coming up for uh, Batman is an episode of The Brave and the Bold that I worked on last summer featuring the one-man Army Corps, OMAC, mm -hmm. and it's a team up between him and Batman. Right. And speaking of Batman Braving the Bold, we had just talked this morning to Diedrich Bader, 
and now you worked with Kevin Conroy. How do you how do you compare those two? Because those guys they do they do in their own right do an excellent job of voicing Batman. So how, how what's your take on both of the gentlemen? You're asking me to choose between the two. <laughs> um, I, I've worked with Kevin a lot longer. I mean, I, just because of all the time I've worked with Kevin. When I write dialogue, I hear Kevin's voice saying it. So it's e for me, it's easier to work with someone I've worked with a long time. And Kevin, I think I started working uh, with him in about 97 or 98. 97. So it goes back a long way. And, it, and the familiarity is, um, it, it's very helpful when you're writing. Because you can really, even, even though he hasn't actually voiced the line yet, you can actually hear it in your head. Yeah. You can tell what he's going to say, or how it's going to sound. Yeah, to Batman fans, he's like God to us, so. <laughs> we always hear his voice, yes, he's speaking to us. <laughs> well, then we want to thank you very much for coming on to the, to the show. After Stan Berkowitz, we were able to get an interview with none other than Lex Luthor himself, Clancy Brown. Hi, this is Apple from the, the BatmanUniverse.net, and I'm here with Clancy Brown, a.k.a. Lex Luthor. How are you doing today? Good, how are you? Oh, pretty good. Um, so, Superman, Batman, the animation. How did you feel about coming and approaching this uh, this movie from uh, from your, you know, of course, your background with, you know, with uh, Bruce Tam, the Superman series, coming on to do an animation film like this from the comic books? How did you feel about that? Well, I love doing it. I love doing anything with Bruce or Andrea, or, and Kevin is a real treat. I don't get to work with him too often, and Tim Daly was good. It would have been a, would have been complete if we gotten uh, Mark Hamill in there to be the Joker. That would have been a lot of fun. <laughs> oh, that would have been a lot of fun. Yeah, I didn't do that. <laughs> well, you, you know, you're pretty famous. You know, a lot of my generation, a lot of the younger generation grew up with knowing you as Lex Luthor. So, you know, anytime you can interact with Batman, how's that for you? It's it's always fun. You know, we we did it before. I can't remember what the what the joke was, but but Mark uh, Mark was doing the Joker, and the Joker and Lex like hooked up, and I can't remember exactly the the, it was the Superman Superman and Batman movie from yeah, the nineties. Yeah, it was from the nineties, and I feel like an idiot now because you <laughs> you know it and I don't, and I did it and. But, uh, but uh, you know, it, it sort of felt like that just a few, you know, a few years later. And it's always fun to work with those guys. They know what they're doing. And, you know, I think Bruce is definitive, his realization. And, and everybody tries to mimic uh, Kevin's voice, you know. Kevin's Batman. I mean, you know, every live-action Batman has tried to sound like Kevin. So... Well I, well, I mean, you're going to probably have some Lex that comes further along, and they're going to be like, you're not going to be able to do it like Clancy does Lex. <laughs> nah, but Lex is, Lex, is, uh, Lex is more malleable, you know. You can, have, you can have really good actors do their own particular spin on it. I, I'm just trying to do what I think, what I read from the comic book. But, uh, but, you know, you can have a different Lex, but you'll never get better than Kevin as Batman. I'm just sorry. Just... Yeah, so do, do you like that whenever Lex Luthor has the opportunity to interact with Batman coming from, you know, from your view? Oh, yeah. Like, how often does that happen? Not often enough. I mean, I, look, I got my own superhero to worry about, so it's not like it's fun to, to have to deal with Batman, too, but, but, uh, but it's, you know, it's always interesting. Yeah, and, and and I mean you're always doing the iconic character of Lex Luthor, you know. And anytime we can always see that as like, all right, Lex, we already know what Joker's gonna do, what Riddler's gonna do, but Lex always has something under his sleeve, and he's always out winning. It's like he can match minds with Batman almost. So and, well, they're very you, similar, aren't they? I mean, 
I mean, don't 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 you think that maybe they could actually hook up? They, you know, because they're both like they're both like billionaire industrialists and stuff, and you know, they might actually figure out a way to get along. Yeah, yeah but somehow Lex, Lex Lex is just smarter like that. <laughs> well, he's just bad, but you know, maybe maybe Batman could convince him, or Lex could convince him to come to the dark side, or Batman could convince him to. I don't know. You know, they're. They're similar. They're, they, they should be able to sit down and have a beer, you know? <laughs> yeah, well, we want to thank you for coming on to the Batman universe, and we're, we're glad to have Lex Luthor on. So you take care and enjoy the rest of the San Diego Comic-Con. You take care. After Clancy Brown, we had an opportunity to interview none other than the legendary Kevin Conroy. Obviously, Conroy not only lent his voice to Batman and Superman, Batman Public Enemies, as we're about to talk about, but also Batman in Batman Arkham Asylum. So let's hear what Kevin Conroy had to say. Hi, this is Apple from the BatmanUniverse.net, and I am here with the man, the myth, the legend, Kevin Conroy. Kevin, how are you doing today? Very well, thank you. Thank you. It's great to be here. Well, it's great to be here with you. Thank you. <laughs> so, Superman, Batman animation, another film. Yeah. We love to, we, we thirst for you to come out in a Batman film. Yeah. So, how is this film, especially coming from a comic book, a real comic book by Ed McGinnis and Jeff Lowe? Well, what's interesting about this one is that the villains, uh, you're never really clear on who the villains are because uh, at the yeah, at the top of the the film um, uh, Lex Luthor is the president of the United States and he's giving the orders you know and so when I was reading the script I was thinking where's this going I mean how does this set up and then he starts um, soliciting the help of all the arch villains from past episodes so it's full of really interesting characters and and what Luthor is really trying to do is take over the world what else would you expect from Lex Luthor, right? But, um, and he's uh, setting uh, Superman up to be destroyed. Uh, Batman um, has to save Superman. So um, it's a very interesting combination of characters. Uh, the writing is terrific. There are a lot of different uh, interesting characters in the show. It's really a, a very full script. So I think fans are going to really love it. Yeah, fans fans love the comic book, so I'm pretty sure the animation, I mean, you guys do always, the movies are always excellent. Yeah. So, um, especially, you have mentioned coming in with Lex Luthor, how is it, you know, to, to interact, Batman, with Lex Luthor and not actually be the Joker as the main, like, the main type villain? I know, I know. Well, Clancy Brown is a great actor, and uh, I've worked with him a lot through the years. I've known him for a long time. Uh, and and Tim Daly too. So all th you know, all three of us know each other and have worked together a lot um, through the years. So coming back together is pretty easy, to be honest. Uh, we know how to work with each other. Yeah. And so, do you have a special message out there for uh, the Batman hardcore fans? I am vengeance. I am the night. I am Batman. <laughs> Thank you so much, Kevin. Thank you. Alright, so on that high note, that was the end of Friday. Uh, as we move into Saturday, it was a little bit less of a busy day. We managed to get a couple of different things. The very first one had nothing to do with the panel, but we did catch up with our good friend Dustin Wen and see what he was up to. Hey, it's Dustin here from BatmanUniverse.net, and guess who we got with us? Dustin Wynn. What's going on, man? Hey, Kevin. We're doing good, man. So we're just going to do a quick thing. So what can we expect of some upcoming issues? Um, you're not going to see a ton of new characters. I mean, characters you've seen before. I heard everyone likes Huntress, uh, apparently. And, uh, you know, we're seeing a lot of her again. Um, Man Bat's making a comeback. Uh, 
Yeah, man, we're wrapping up the Hush story. Uh, you know, not the Hush story completely, right, but right, right. he's a very popular villain, and uh, nowadays we like him a lot. And um, yeah, yeah. All right, and then one thing we want to get cleared up: we we heard that uh, Chris Yost is coming on the book for two issues. Yeah. Is Dini coming back? Yes, yes, okay. he is. All right, so it's just for two issues, and then he's coming back. Yeah, it's going to be an excellent two issues. Um, it's going to be, uh, you know, the Huntress. Stuff. Right, right. Okay. Yeah. All right, and then that's all we got for uh, San Diego Comic-Con. All right, so after that real quick interview, we headed over to the DC Universe press time, where we had an opportunity to not only hear from the developers a number of different things related to the game, but also to talk to a couple of comic book creators that uh, were also working on the game. So first up, we have Marv Wolfman. Hi, this is Apple for the BatmanUniverse.net, and I am here with the legendary Marv Wolfman. Marv, how are you doing today? I am doing just great. That's great. We're glad to go ahead and get you today. Now, we have a couple of questions. Working on DC Universe Online, uh, can you tell us a little bit of anything for fans of Batman about Gotham City or you know something that you might have wrote for Gotham City in this video game? I don't want to uh, obviously give away any storylines, but what I can tell you is that they have built the entire Gotham City with many, many different areas that are very familiar to comic readers, but expanding them in ways that we've never seen in comics because nobody ever actually sat down and did a grid of Gotham City to the extent that this is. So you see every block, you see all the buildings, you see them in three dimensions, you see the areas you've heard of and maybe have only seen a tiny part of in the comics. So there's been an awful lot of real thinking about what Gotham City is like and Jim Lee, who's done the incredible Batman and Robin uh, stuff, um, he's the one who designed it. So I can tell you, it is gorgeous. Well, uh, also Batman fans are huge Teen Titans fans. Any plans for you to maybe even come back to start doing Teen Titans ever again with DC? Oh, uh, you're asking a comic book question. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, we're comic book fans. <laughs> um, I, would, I, I have some proposals in for the Titans 30th anniversary, which is next year, and I'm hoping they get picked up, and I'd certainly like to. I probably would like to do specials far more than anything else, but um, I do have ideas for completely original new, and new Teen Titans stories, yes. Great, great. Well, Mar, we want to thank you for sitting in with the BatmanUniverse.net. Thank you. My pleasure. All right, so after talking with Marv Wolfman, we had a chance to talk with none other than the legendary Jim Lee. Now, obviously, Jim Lee was working on DC Universe Online, but we also had to get in some questions about All-Star Batman, and we did get a little bit of information that we hadn't heard before. Let's hear what Jim had to say. Hi, this is Apple for the BatmanUniverse.net, and we are here with the legend, Jim Lee himself. Jim, how are you doing today? I'm feeling very legendary. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jim, you're here for the DCU, uh, the DC Universe online video game. Uh, what can Batman fans expect from this video game? Well, uh, if you're a Batman fan and you want to know more about Gotham and interact with Batman and all his uh, host of... Uh, uh, cohorts and villains, this is the game for you. I mean, uh, what's really cool about this game is that we don't just have the Joker and Batman and Robin. We have Nightwing, we have the Huntress, we have Catwoman, we have the Riddler, we have um, Croc, Killer Croc. We have all the cool Batman villains and heroes. And uh, and there's going to be stuff in this game that you have never seen in any other Batman game or, or movie, uh, to be honest. Like, just there are parts of Gotham City that have been designed that are just 
they look just sweet and that reek of Gotham City, but you've never seen it before in print or in the movies. And you're going to see it in this game space, and you're going to go like, wow, that is Batman, and that is Gotham City. And uh, I think uh, fans are going to be really treated, uh, really rewarded for uh, playing this game. Oh, man, that sounds very exciting. Very exciting. Trust me. <laughs> yeah, I was there a couple weeks ago, and I saw uh, a lot of the Gotham City, Gotham City stuff that's built, and it looks really, really sweet. Just like from, from decrepit old parks with, with uh, uh, fire bins, with fi you know, like trash bins with fire coming out of them, to uh, the, the, uh, tr the, the transit system, to uh, these, um, these facades for these old kind of banks and buildings. Uh, it looks really, really dynamite. Great. Now, for the, the Batman fans that are comic book fans, uh, of course, you know I'm going to have to ask about the All-Star. Okay. Uh, uh, Dandy Dio did in the 20 questions with the Newsarama that your art was done. What part are we waiting for as far as that book right now? It is completely my fault. Frank Miller has written uh, issues uh, 11 and 12, I believe. And uh, uh, it's just me finding the time to sit down and draw the pages. And I feel horrible that, that it's fallen so far behind. But at the same time, enough time has passed where people think, like, is it continuing? Like, so I think when we come back and we have some issues in the, in the drawer that we're really releasing, like, sort of the second half of the story. Uh, luckily, it kind of ended on, a, on a, uh, an emotional sort of, uh, not high point, but, it, you know, the first story arc gave you... A complete a sense of completion at the end because sort of Batman has accepted Robin as his as his sidekick essentially, and uh, the second half of the story uh, will obviously deal with uh, the mystery of, of how his parents were killed and stuff like that, and the, how does the Joker fit into all this, and um, so I am working on it. There's some killer Gotham City spreads. Uh, what they saw that this is this this is news here. Uh, you know we did that whole Batcave pullout where you could see the whole. Batcave and all the cool stuff in it. I'm doing a, a, a five-page Gotham City pullout where you're going to see the, the entire city from the, the Batcopter's point of view. It's uh, it's pretty dynamite, so there's some killer stuff in it. And that, that's an exclusive, right, Jim? It is exclusive, yeah. <laughs> that's how tired I am. I'm spilling all the beans right now. Well, thanks for giving that for the Batman universe, and uh, thanks for uh, joining us today, Jim. Hey, my pleasure. All right, so that wraps up our coverage of San Diego Comic-Con 2009. Believe me, we'll be definitely going back to San Diego Comic-Con in the years to come. We hope you enjoyed, and we'll see you guys next time. Tune in tomorrow. Same bat time.